Hi everyone and welcome to the Panama Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host, um, and uh, welcome to the show. Um, and uh, I am very excited about this episode. Uh, I do, I enjoy recording every podcast that I make. Um, it's such a joy to make them. Uh, and uh, But sometimes you get these really special episodes, which are just, you can't wait to you can't wait to, to sit down and record them and, and talk about what you're going to talk about. And today is one of those because uh, my friend um, Marla Taviano is returning to the show and we are talking about Shit's Creek today. So welcome back to the show, Marla. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. I am so excited about this. Like, I cannot believe that someone has invited me on a podcast to talk about Shit's Creek. This is like a dream come true, a dream I didn't even know that I had. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Marla is wearing a Moira Rose uh, Town Council t-shirt, um, uh, elect Moira Rose Town Council t-shirt, um, <laughs> which is very exciting. Um, yeah. Uh, this, now, 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 Marla didn't know how this came about. I couldn't remember. I, I remember the story of how this came about. We were talking on Twitter about something. I was talking about Shit's Creek, I think, on Twitter. And um, I was talking about a habit that I have, which I've had for a couple of years now, because I, I watched, um, and believe it or not, this starts with the Joker movie. Um, I I watched the Joker movie, and although it's a great movie, I started having nightmares about it, and I was struggling to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so for some reason, I started putting Shit's Creek on just before I go to bed and watching an episode and then just leaving it on like my leaving on my net uh, on my xbox just playing Shit's creek uh, until it automatically turned off uh, just to send me to sleep and it worked i just started falling asleep to Shit's creek every night and and i've now been doing that for over two years and i think i mentioned this on twitter and marla said that you you did the same or something similar <laughs> And I think that was how it started. I think that we just started, I started talking about how I'd like to do a podcast on it, and and Marla volunteered, and uh, here we are. Volunteers tribute. Yes, I, I was. That's exactly what happened. I could not believe it when you said that you'd watched it every night before bed for two years because that was pretty much exactly my story, minus the Joker nightmares. I have not seen that movie, and it would probably give me nightmares too. Mine was more um, my husband left me unexpectedly and I was having anxiety and insomnia in the middle of the night. And so watching Schitt's Creek before bed calmed me down and I could fall asleep because I had seen it so many times already (laughs) that I, um, it was just so comforting to me that I would get ready for bed, turn it on, watch until I fell asleep but then I didn't leave it on. I, I, I get up out of bed, put my laptop away, um, get back in bed then and hope that my sleepiness <laughs> lasts. And, and it usually does. Um, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But it has definitely gotten me through um, a, rough, a rough couple of years. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of sums up the show, really. Um... I remember I, I first watched Shit's Creek during the first year of the pandemic, during lockdown. We were locked down for months, and 
you know, I had nothing to do at home. <laughs> like, yeah. um, every evening it was kind of like, what, what, what am I going to fill my time with? Like weekends, I couldn't go out. You know, yeah. what am I going to fill my time with? So I started watching Shit's Creek and uh, it's because I, and the reason, and the thing that got me into Shit's Creek was seeing people use Shit's Creek gifts all over Twitter all the time. <laughs> right. Like, what are these gifts? They're awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. these. like everyone was using them and I was like, what, is this a, like a real show? Like, and people are telling me, yes, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. <laughs> like, so, and it was, by this time, like, it finished, I think. Um, or the, certainly the sixth series was about to come out or something. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so I was really late. And so I started watching it. And the first few episodes, it took me a while to get into it. Um, and um, it took me, like, a month to watch the first four episodes. And then after that, I think... Something about the fifth episode must have hooked me because after that I binged watched the rest of it in like ten days, like five and a five and a half series. Oh wow! Um, and like, in case you're wondering, Shit's Creek episodes are like twenty two minutes long, so it's and and because it's on Netflix, it skips between the episodes like um, automatically, so it's really really easy to yeah to follow. And because the story, the the the, the writing is so good. The acting is so good. Um, it just kind of compels you to keep watching. Uh, and, yeah, and I just binge-watched it in 10 days. And really, I've got to say, <laughs> my mental health was not in a good place when I started watching it. Mm. Um, after those 10 days, I was in a much healthier place. And I felt mm. more hopeful. <laughs> I felt more optimistic. Um, because Shit's Creek kind of showed me that a better world is possible. Um yeah. What Isn't was your that incredible? Yeah, that is our our stories are very similar because I also did not watch it until the pandemic. So I had seen the gifts and was kind of um, intrigued by them. But unlike you and you you watch a lot of TV and you know a lot about it, like a lot of shows, a lot of movies. Hmm. Um I I don't actually I, I some but not not a lot. So I kind of just dismissed it as oh okay whatever and then sarah bessie i remember i don't know if you know do you know sarah bessie Um, was one of the big people that got me (laughs) yes and i the way that she described it and talked about it i thought well this is actually kind of compelling so we lived in cambodia um from 2015 to 2020 so the whole time that these seasons are coming out i don't know that i even had a way to watch them anyway even if i'd wanted to but we came back to the states in march of 2020 um, and I think that my daughter and I started watching it maybe May or early June of 2020 and things weren't great in my marriage at the time. I had no idea that my ex is going to, was going to leave. Um, but there, after we watched those five seasons, then we had to wait. I think it was October that it was going to, the sixth season was releasing, um, but every night after we watched the five seasons, I would spend an hour or two each night um, down on the couch while my husband was up in the bedroom. And I kind of, I think it was me not really wanting to, <laughs> to go up there and, and be around him. So I was just hanging out on the couch and I would rewatch my favorite scenes and my favorite episodes. And like you, I didn't love season one at first. Like I, I think it was either Sarah or someone else who had said, listen, season one is a little rough. You have to get through it and it's going to get so much better. So I believed that. 
And it was true. Mm-hmm. So the first, when I first started rewatching, I was picking and choosing things that I, that I wanted to rewatch. A lot of it was um, David and Patrick and their relationship and the scenes with them. Um, there were some of my favorites. And then after that, um, I'm not sure I didn't, I don't think I've kept track, but when I, at some point I decided now that I've been watching this for so long, now that season six is out, I'm going to, I want to go back and see how I feel about season one. So I started from the very beginning and didn't skip anything. And it was so cool that season one, when I watched it the first time, I, it didn't hit me in all the right spots, but after I'd watched six seasons and after I got to know the characters, season one was so much different. And now I love season one, season two, like I just, and I always go straight through now. So again, I haven't counted, I want to say like 10, 12, 15 times. I don't know how many times I have gotten all the way through, watched the documentary, and then I start right back over with the Cup Runneth Over episode. (laughs) And I I am not tired of it, which is, it still Mm -hmm. blows my mind. I don't understand how I can keep watching this (laughs) over and over and over. Yeah, I think it was Sarah who, who who kind of nudged me to keep going with it as well, amongst other people. Um, Sarah and I have a lot in common in terms of TV shows we like. We like yeah. of this podcast on Doctor Who because we're both Doctor Who fans. Um, awesome. Yeah. So um, thank you, Sarah Bessie, if you're listening. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, we love you. Um, yeah. And I, actually, I just want to like just jump back for a moment because I'm aware that there might be people who've not seen the show. So, mm. um, one, there's going to be spoilers in this show. In yeah. Two, um, go and watch the show. Guarantee uh, <laughs> you will not regret it. But the premise yeah. of the show is basically that a rich family loses all their money and are forced to move to this little village in the middle of nowhere um, and start their life over. And at first, you don't like them, that which is intentional. Um, you're not meant to like them at first um but over time and you see each of each of the main characters journeys and story arcs and growth over the six seasons you fall in love with them and you root for them and it's so well written that every all the all the main characters not just the family themselves but the other main characters in the village all have their own stories and they all have a satisfactory conclusion um at the end of season six, uh, and it is, um, it's really, um, and one of the things that I love about this this show and this world that almost that they invite us into is that it is fully inclusive, LGBTQ um, inclusive. Um, what at the heart of the show is a relationship between um, a pansexual um, person. Um, male body at birth um, called David um, and uh, Patrick, who um, starts out his, as his business partner and ends up and ends up as his as his husband. Um, and their story is one of the best love stories that I've seen on television. Um, and uh, it's so well written and so perfectly paced. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not one of those shows where they have to fight loads of resistance from people who, who are non-affirming. It's just accepted as normal. Right. And 
liked by everybody in the show. All the characters, all the characters in the show, just accept this as a normal thing. It's beautiful. It's loving. It's great. Um, let's celebrate it. And that is one of the things that's different from a lot of other shows. Um, and uh, that's one thing I really love about this show. Um, yeah, and Dan Levy was so intentional about that. He's talked about that time and time again, that he just decided to create a world where there was no homophobia. And so, um, and it's not like it's unbelievable. It, it is very believable. And it's it's like a world that, <laughs> that we wish we could live in and hopefully someday um, we can live in it. I mean, they, the town has a lot of other problems, <laughs> but homophobia is, is not, is not one of them. Even the most um, odd characters or characters that you would think would be kind of backward or not really very progressive. Um, there's just not even a hint of any, mm. anything like that. And so it's just really great. And it's so smart. I mean, Eugene and Dan Levy are father, son, brilliant. Um, the dialogue is brilliant. It's funny. It's um, Moira, the the one who plays the um, David Rose's mom. She just, Catherine O'Hara just <laughs> ran with this character and gave her this um, undefinable accent and brought in all these wigs and has all this backstory and she's been in all these um fake tv shows and movies (laughs) (laughs) it's just um it's to me it's just the perfect combination of smart and weird and quirky and um brilliant how everything just fits together the characters the love the the journeys it's just um like i said it came to me at a perfect time it was just what i needed i see connections i'm always making connections between what's happening there and what's happening in my life i mean even something as silly as the last couple of days i've woken up with these bites on my body and i'm thinking okay i've got i think i have bed bugs like <laughs> like they do in one of the episodes of the show um no but i um i just I just, I can't get over it. And I don't get tired of it. And that says something. And the fact that you and I didn't start watching it from the beginning. And that's the story of a lot of people um, that they were just plugging along and not getting a lot of attention. And then people just started noticing it and through word of mouth told their friends and it caught on. And then it became this massive phenomenon. Um and they had no guarantee that that would happen. I mean, they believed in their show. And that kind of gives me um, faith that some of the things that I want to put out in the world, not as big as a, a TV show, but like a book, um, might catch on later. That's right. And it, I think they set out to make a really good TV show. And they had they had a story in their mind from the beginning. And they were offered to do more seasons. but. Yeah. Um, they had written it as six seasons and um, chose to finish when they did. Um, I saw the documentary today and they said, like, it really got big after season five. And by yeah. that, season six was kind of already written a little bit. And yeah. so they didn't feel any pressure. It was, they'd, they'd written what they wanted to do. They'd done, they created what they wanted to create and they didn't feel any. Like they told the story that they wanted to tell, 
And every character at the end of season six is starting a new journey, in a sense, a new season of their life. And they're going off in different directions, but they're, but in a sense, they're more connected. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. That, yeah. that was just amazing to me. And then once you've seen, once you've seen all six seasons, you know, you know how it ends. Then when you go back and watch and you can see the little pieces that they put in gradually over time, little hints of things, little things changing, going in a different direction. You'll see people having wishes or desires or things, and then they are fulfilled. And so it's just, it's a masterpiece. I, I think. Um, just in the way, yeah, they, they brought everybody. It's it's a happy ending for everyone, but it's not it's not the same ending for everyone. Not every relationship lasts. Not every person stays. I mean, people s- separate. They go th- their own ways. Um, but yet, you just have this sense that that everyone's where they're supposed to be. That they've gotten yeah gotten to a good place. And it's like at the start of the series, the family are physically in the same place, but they are completely disconnected from each other. They have no relationship right. with each other. Um, they have no love for each other, really. Um, and they're all grumpy and angry and like, <laughs> dislikable. Um, at the end of season six, they are moving physically to different places, but they are more connected and more loving each other than ever before. Right, um, they yeah. are closer than ever before, uh, and it's again like for me, it's like a it's like a story of what happens when you come face to face with yourself, mm. when you come face to face with your trauma, when you come face to face with what's inside of you, and you have to do the work of dealing with it because yeah. they don't have any choice. These people are just dumped in this village; they have nothing. Um, and they have to face up to reality and face up to what they're living in and their circumstances. They don't ultimately have a choice. And and that takes all of them on a personal journey of, of growth and healing. And like, um, so by the end, they're almost different people. And yeah. um, it's just another example of that kind of, which I talk about a lot on this show, that we – we need to face up to what we're going through. We need to face up to who we are. We need to face up to our grief and our trauma and do the work um, because that because that path leads to healing and it leads to transformation and it leads to us discovering who we really are. Um, and there's hope in that. This is such. This is a really. This is a hopeful show in that it doesn't shy away from the difficult realities that they have to face in their yeah. circumstances because. They have nothing, and they're dependent on other people for the first time, um, and um, and they have to just deal with the, the shame and the embarrassment and everything of, of loss of their status, loss of wealth, loss of like everything in their life that had meant anything to them. And um, and by the end of season two, they are starting to come to terms with it. And that's, I think that's why from season three onwards you start to see a real growth because yeah, yeah. it takes a couple of couple of seasons for them to really start acknowledging where they are and being present where they are. And there's that thing at the end of season two where they go to that party and they were parring as a family. Yeah, they've got that. They built that somehow they've they've got to a place of connection as a family. Yeah, 
like which they didn't like that was that's when I really like felt really in like I'm, I'm definitely going to watch the rest of this now. Like, <laughs> right okay, something's, something's shifted here like these people are, are genuinely on a journey and, it's, and I want to see where this where this is going to go and what happens to these people like um that's when I felt fully emotionally invested in the characters um that's, that's yeah. really when that shift happened, I think. And Yeah, and to your point about that, I think it was such a, a risk for them, but such a brilliant thing to do to take that long um, for the really, really, really good stuff to happen. Because like, you, like we both said, there are people that encouraged us to stick it out because it gets better. And I think sometimes we might be tempted, ah, I don't like this show. And they didn't, I mean, there are some great, great moments in season one and season two, but but the really, really good, good stuff <laughs> starts happening, like you said, after that party and then starting season three. And um, they took their time going through the rough stuff, which I think made it so much more real because that's real life. I mean, it not that the show is exactly like real life. Like so I'm sure that <laughs> there's a lot of trauma they didn't address. Um, but it's just the fact that, like you said, doing the work and healing um, and becoming who you were meant to be is not a two episode thing. It, it takes a long time. And I think they did a really great job with pacing <clears throat> and then just took a chance that people would stick around and it would be so much more worth it because um, well, it, just anything in life, anything that you had to work really hard for anything that you, that comes into your life on the other side of trauma or heartbreak is just so much more powerful and so much more meaningful um, than something that was just handed to you without, without any work. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there's a lesson there about life and about like, personal growth. Um, and, you know, that it takes time. It can't be rushed. Uh, you have to actually do the work and you have to invest yourself in it. And um, that's, But there's also a lesson about art there because um, Dan Levy didn't, didn't bow to pressure from commercial commercialism, capitalism, uh, from studios to rush the story, right? And right. just quickly and like, let's get to the real stuff. He wanted to tell the story properly. And yeah. he wanted to give respect to the characters and give time for the audience to really form a bond with the characters. Um, yeah. And he didn't rush that, which is like really, really intelligent. And it's a risk. It is. Um, it shouldn't be a risk because <laughs> a risk because when people create things, they should have that freedom to do that. But because we live in a capitalist world where people want stuff instantly, there's always pressure for on artists to do that. Um, especially when you, you know you're you're you, you have a TV show that's on a big channel uh, and on Netflix in the UK. Um, Right. But he didn't do that. And uh, I am really glad that that they, they took the time with that and they told a proper story and you get the benefits of that. And now, like you say, when you go back and rewatch those first two seasons, like after you finished it, it's a completely different story because you know where it's going. 
Yeah. Right, and you, like, you almost kind of are rooting for them from the beginning, which you're not the first time you watch it. <laughs> when you right. watch it the second time, you, you're kind of rooting for them from the beginning because you know where it's going. And it's a different experience. I always say that watching something a second time is a different experience than watching oh, it the first time. Absolutely. Um, or even reading a book a second time. You know, it's because it, you already know what's coming. But it also means that you can see new things. You can notice things that where you didn't notice before, right? And it's um and I love that. You know, and this show is just this show never gets old. Like I've never got bored. No. <laughs> and got I, bored. I was, I'm seeing the connection in my own life right now as I deconstruct my faith, as I've gone through a divorce, and I think about um things that are um in my past that I am now going back and reading and looking at and seeing like I have old journals, I have old books that I've written um, and being able to see those things from the lens of now, like from 2022 and going back and reading journal entries from when, in 2006 and seeing my like striving to be a good Christian or thinking I'm not good enough, or, like all of these things. And being able to have um, like gentleness and love for that person that I was um, and, and knowing now who I am and where I've come from. And so creatively and from a writing standpoint for me, that has been in the, just especially in the last few months. That's when I was felt ready to open my journals. Um, like that healing process and all of that, it I would just look at the journals and I'd think, nope, I can't, I can't go there. <laughs> and I know people who have thrown them away and don't ever want to read them, but for me, I want I want to go go back. So much like that first season of of Schitt's Creek, when you go back and you can see how it ends and you see how you got to where you are now and where you were, and um, there's just so much to to unpack and and for me it just feels like a part of that journey and a part of going forward for me is being able to look back and see where I came from yeah absolutely and I think that that should this this show does that very well and um even see in season six you kind of see a little bit of a nod to that you know when when they're visiting New York to try and sell the business it's like it's like um, it's like the father um, is, you know, trying to go back to. It's almost like trying to go back to his old life. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, and I'm talking about Johnny. You know, Johnny Rose, who's like yeah, the the kind of patriarch, um, who was a millionaire businessman and lost everything, and he's going back to the city to ask people to help him start over. And it's almost like he's. It's almost like he's making a final piece with his past and letting go of it and starting over. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels like that. I mean, that season is almost like a little bit of that. Like there's final goodbyes to things that you were holding on to. Yeah. Um, to the last thing that you were holding on to and acknowledging that you're starting over. Like when David has to finally let go of the idea of moving back to New York. Like, you know, and. Um, uh, you know, and, and Stevie says to him, like, you know, no, none of them came to your wedding. None of them, none of your New York friends want to come to your wedding. They don't care about you. Let right. go of it. You don't need to go back there. You don't need, you don't need them. Like, stay here. 
you know, and, and of course he does stay um, with Patrick um, and they buy a house there and it's beautiful. Um, but that's what that season is kind of about. It's like, when no matter how long you've been on a journey, there's always final things that you need to let go of before you really move on. And that season feels like a little bit of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's how it is in our lives too, right? Like, I mean, there's some things that are, were just for a season of our lives and it's time to, to move on from that. Um, and depending on what it is, we may have to deal with it, <clears throat> excuse me, or resolve something or find closure, um, whatever that looks like for us. But then realizing, I mean, like with the whole deconstruction, deconstruction thing, realizing those people aren't going to be able to be part of my life moving forward like we're going into very very opposite directions or some beliefs that I held like I can't bring those with me those aren't those aren't working anymore um so yeah it's like this constant (laughs) this constant journey of what am I picking up what am I putting down um who do I want to be in the world um how do I want to love um it's really um, it's really freeing, really exciting, a little bit scary. Um, but the more you go, the more, um, at least for me that I, it's, it feels more freeing, I think, than, than frightening. Yeah, I think so. That, I mean, there's a certain element of grief, you know, in letting go of those things. Cause even if, even if you know it, it's right to let it go. Even if you know it's the right decision, it's still not easy to let go of it because it's been no, part of your no. life for so long. Right. Yeah. Like leaving a church, right? Um, for example, that's something that a lot of listeners will be familiar with, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, even though you know, maybe I need to leave, I need to get out of here for my for my well being, for my health. Um, but at the same time, this has been part of my life for what five years or something. Yeah, I've had relationships here. This was a big part of my journey, um, and I need to acknowledge that it was a, that it that it that it was that in letting it go. Um, I need to grieve this season of my life, and then you need to move on. Like, yeah, moving on is part of it. You can't grieve it and stay in the grief. You have to actually take that decision to to move. Um, and that's, you know, that's not easy. Um, and, but that's part of growth, especially, you know, we talk, we're, we're in kind of what are called deconstruction circles a lot. And that's what deconstruction essentially is. Like it's, it's grieving a life that you had and moving on from it. And, um, but in the moving on, in the growth, there is always grieving because you're letting go of more and more and more as you go along the journey yeah. um, um but at the same time there's a sense of joy in that in that you're free in that you are growing in that you are healing and there's there's definitely that in in this show like the last few episodes when you know the last episode is a wedding which is a symbol of a new beginning you know right. Um, like David has let go of his past, um, and he's had quite a difficult past. We never hear exactly 
everything about it, but we know right, right. that he's been really, really hurt and that he's been betrayed, he's been abandoned, he's been forgotten, he's he's been traumatized, you know, he's been through a lot and he finds it difficult to trust people and he finds it difficult to build relationships. And he finds this person who is different from anybody else he's ever met. And finally, he's in a, he's in a place where he feels safe with a person that he feels safe with. And he can finally let go of New York, for example, like the place and the people that right. have harmed him. And he knows he's got somewhere to go. And he right. knows he doesn't need them anymore. He doesn't need their approval anymore. Um, he has his he has his own people, he has his own life, uh, and he has and he is safe and he is home. Yeah. And that happens the episode the, 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 the penultimate episode and the last episode cover this well like David's journey is the most interesting one to me um, maybe it's because I resonate with it a bit because I've been betrayed and I've been you know I've been through trauma and I find it hard to trust people and you know um, all of those things like um, so I really felt for him um, and yeah it's just beautiful to see him come through that and work through his his trauma and stuff and and actually come through and become free and start a new life. And I, I really like too um, that David and Patrick's relationship, even though there's no homophobia and there are no big, like they don't break up necessarily um, or anything like that. But there are a couple times when David feels like maybe he can't trust Patrick. And again, that's spoilers, but there's something that Patrick neglects to tell him and that that kind of threatens to like his trust feels he's like I can't believe I like I trusted you and now I, I knew I shouldn't have trusted you um yeah and then there's another situation where David finds out that Patrick has not told his family about David and has not come out to his parents and again David feels that like can I trust him so I, I like that they put those in there because it wasn't he found a, the perfect person and it was smooth sailing from there on then on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because there's not there's not a perfect person out there. But <clears throat> overall, Patrick is a very, very trustworthy, good person. Um he messes up a couple times, but they, they work through it. Um and, and it's uh, and it's okay. And so like that really speaks to me because when we talk about deconstructing, leaving things behind. I've also been on this journey of divorce, like leaving a marriage, a two decades long marriage. Um, that was a huge part of my life, like leaving that behind, moving on. Um, and then also seeing that there, there were good things in it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. And I'm sure with Dave and Alexis and Moira and Johnny, everybody, there were good things about their life. Like when they go back in the past to remember their parties or, um, their friends or different things they were a part of, those were good. Um, but then ultimately, yeah, they did they did lose everything, and they come to realize what what means the most to them. Like the time when they get that big family portrait delivered to them that used to be in their house, and um, realizing they aren't those people anymore that pose for this really elaborate fancy portrait that takes up an entire wall <laughs> and that they they had that portrait made 
back when they were not really, um, their relationship wasn't very strong. Like they were technically in a family, but they all went their separate ways. They didn't know each other. They didn't care for each other. Um, and then as they're forced to give up their mansion and they live in two hotel rooms that have a door in between them, um, they're physically close and they become emotionally close to each other and get to know each other. And yeah, I forget how I even started on this tangent, <laughs> but just, oh, I, I know I was talking about David and, and Patrick and how their relationship wasn't perfect, but that they, um, that he was trustworthy. But I, I think of that too. Um, cause I don't know what my, my future holds, um, relationship wise, romantically wise. Um, because the, the temptation is to not trust after you've been cheated on and, and left. And, um, <clears throat> so that's something I'll continue to work through and I'll have to make that decision. It's never going to be, I tell this to my kids, um, there's no guarantee that you can trust someone 100%. Like there, there just isn't. So you have to decide, um, how, how much to let your guard down, how vulnerable to be even just in friendships or in groups that you're in or, or anything like that. Um, there's always a chance that someone could hurt you or betray you or say something to someone else about you. Um, and we can either live with a, a wall there to protect ourselves and then not be able to feel genuine closeness with people, or we can let that wall down at our own risk. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still working through what that looks like for me in a lot of areas and people who've been hurt by the church or hurt by a spouse or hurt by friends um that's tough to to get to a place where you um can trust people again yeah that's right it is um yeah and I, i've experienced that too um you know i uh, yeah i was betrayed by by people by by friends by mentors you know that, and yeah it found it, it it took me a while to to really trust people again it's still it's still a it's still an effort to trust people i don't trust many people um and um but i have learned not to let that define my relationships right right um and that is healing i think for me that i i don't assume the worst but i'm also more careful yeah. um, and realistic about people because people are um, because we're human. We're not. Yeah. We're not um, infallible. <laughs> we make mistakes. We have needs. We have circumstances. We have um, imperfections, um, and um, it's okay to be human. And people, sometimes people are human, and. So, you know, I've had to learn that um, and not place my value on what people did to me or how people treated me um, and actually learn to move on from that. Um, and, yeah, like I said, David is a great example of how somebody can grow. And David David Dark is, is a really beautiful one. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that scene in the show, you know. What's that? 
there's so many great character arcs in the show. Oh <laughs> gosh, yes. That that scene where he and um, Stevie are sitting. It's end of season six, sitting on the car. Um, yeah, oh, that gift <laughs> today, and how um, he he's still saying like I I want I want to show these people that I'm not a loser and that I've won. And she's telling him, listen, look at this, look at everything you have, you've won. And I think that um, so much of it is our perspective, like how we're framing the narrative. Um, not that life is this game that you win, but but what, what she means is, what does winning look like to you? Like if you're gonna win at life, like if you're going to be successful, does that mean you like, had a success, successful career? Does that mean a lot of money? Does that mean you did this X, Y, or Z? Or does it mean that you love people and you have people that love you and you've built a life that you love? Because um, I think of that a lot of times. Like if I start to get wrapped up in what people think of me and I can go down a path of like, oh, well, Marla's husband left and he's off with another woman and he's fine and has a great life. And here she is all alone. No, nobody, what like nobody wants to be with her. And that's not the narrative. Like that's not the story I'm writing. There may be someone in my future. There may not be, but I'm going to be, I'm going to build a life that I love and I'm going to be, um, find happiness, find joy. I'm going to love people. I'm going to, right, I'm going to do the things that I care about. Um, and then that's, that's how I'm going to win at life. And it's not I win, you lose. It's, it's wanting yeah. everyone to win, everyone to thrive and whatever it looks like for you. Um, and that for all of us, it's not doesn't mean a relationship, it doesn't mean a book deal, it doesn't mean a million dollars, or it can mean different things. Um, but it's all about following our heart and going after um, what we want and getting clear about what we want and why we want that and, and what um, what we want our lives to be like, knowing that there are a lot of twists and turns and it, it doesn't always <laughs> go yeah. smoothly straight to where we want to be. Yeah, and that's, the, that's kind of the story of Shit's Creek is that life is full of ups and downs and bumps in the road and it doesn't always go perfect and not every relationship ends well and um and we're human um and that we don't need to prove ourselves to anybody uh david thinks he has to prove himself to his new york friend and he doesn't yeah right by the end of the by the end of season six he's realized he doesn't need to prove himself to them that he is that he is he has won he has won and that Nobody, it doesn't, he doesn't need to show that off to anybody for it to be true. Um, and he doesn't need to be rich or or wildly successful or live in the city for it to be true. Yeah. Uh, and that's a lesson for us all, I think, that we don't need winning at life is, like you say, is different for all of us. And it's not about proving ourselves to anybody else. Yeah. It's not about getting validation from anybody else. Right, right. Uh, it's about being at peace with ourselves and where we are in our journeys and what we're doing with our lives. And yeah, um, I mean, like, I just, yeah. Oh, go go ahead. Ahead. Well, I just made this connection 
and I'm doing this, I do this a lot. Like I will, re- I'll watch something and I'll hear a character say something and I'll think, wait a minute, who else said that? And there'll be another character that says something similar. But I was thinking of Stevie at the end of season, I think it's season five. Is that when the, the cabaret, when she is yeah. the, has the lead at cabaret? And she's singing that song. Every time she sings it, I get chills. Sometimes I get tears in my eyes. And mm-hmm. the, the lyrics of the song are, maybe this time I'll win. And so she has, like, her character in Cabaret has been through a lot. And Stevie is playing this character. And she's also been through a lot and feeling like she hasn't measured up. She's just a small town girl who never left. Everybody's doing big things except for her. And it ends this season with maybe this time I'll win. Like I have goosebumps right now just talking about that. So she's talking about this, maybe this time I'll win. And then we go immediately into that next season and we get to see her character arc and the things that she realizes that she can. So she tries a few things and then she, um, she realizes that she can do this really big thing and then realizes, oh, I just needed to know that I could do that. I'm actually content here where I'm at. I just needed to know that I could go to New York or I could be a big businesswoman, um, but I actually want to be here. And then she's in a place where she can tell David then, look, you won. (laughs) Like I won, you won. We decided how we won. She was still small town girl behind that motel desk, but she knew that she could do anything she wanted and she chose to do that. So I think that's really cool too, that um, it, it doesn't matter what you choose. It's that you get a chance, you get to choose it. Like you, you choose um, and you make the life that, that you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Shit's Creek is, it's a glimpse into a world that we would like it as we would like it to be, but also a glimpse into a world as it is because mm-hmm. because it doesn't sugarcoat things and right. it, it wasn't all happy ever after for everybody in terms of relationships, especially um, yeah because of what happens with um, um, Ted and Alexis. Yeah, totally. That's it. Yeah, um, and. You know, because theirs is a great love story. <laughs> it's a great love story. Um, but it doesn't end with the happy ever after. They each go, and uh, I think Dan Levy put it beautifully, like the end, the reason their relationship ends is their own growth. Yeah. Both of them grow and discover themselves and go and live their best lives, but them living their best lives means that they can't be together. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that happens. And the fact that they they didn't shy away from that kind of thing is one of the reasons the show is so great, that it acknowledges the reality of our lives, that things don't always work out like the happy ever after fantasy, you know, that, um, that there are ups and downs in relationships, that, um, that there are ups and downs in life and that we have insecurities and Mm -hmm. that relationships with family can be difficult and need to be worked on. And all, all of these things are in this show and, um, and yet also it does give us a glimpse of a world that we would like it to be, where everyone is loved and accepted and belongs as they are, without question. Right. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I just, <laughs> and it's so, like, I, I feel like we talk a lot about serious things, and it is so funny. Like, for anyone who is listening to this and is hearing all, all these deep, serious things that we're talking about, um, it is, the, like, one of the funniest shows ever. And it gets funnier and funnier. I was just telling one of my daughters that there are certain lines, certain, like, things that people say, and I know it's coming up. Um, and I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to laugh out loud this time. And I, I can't help it. Like I just am sitting in my bed watching the show and I, I laugh out loud because it's so funny. I mean, some of the scenes, there's like physical comedy that's funny. There are lines that are funny. There's um, like Moira and David trying to to cook something together when clearly neither one of them has ever, like they don't know their way around a stove and David's trying to fold in broken cheese um, and just so many yeah. funny lines. And I'll find myself using some of the lines, like even in, in the book that I just published, it's a book of poems, but I quote Moira um, in the book where she says, um, quit being so literal. Like when she's, she brings her kids, um, she has a favor she wants them to do for her. So she brings them, coffee but it's empty coffee cups and she's they're like there's nothing in this and she's like oh quit being so literal and that just really reminded me because my book is about like deconstruction and people that take the bible literally <laughs> and that's how i that's what i want to say to people so often quit being so literal <laughs> just like <laughs> Maura says because it's it's true like not everything is can be taken literally and i also have a poem in there where i it's called burn david and it's about stirring a pot and um, I'm working on some new poems and I keep finding Shit's Creek references keep working their way into them, which is fine. Um, a lot of the people reading that aren't going to know <laughs> what in the heck I'm talking about. I don't um, actually care, but something like this second book that I'm working on, um, it's, it's part of me not being able to to move forward into complete freedom until I've dealt some more with this white evangelical Christianity. Like I have more things to say about it. And mm. there's a, it's an episode where Moira and Johnny run into some old friends of theirs who've like abandoned them when they lost all their money. And now they kind of just want to act like everything's fine. Mm, and Johnny yeah. brings something up and, and Moira's like, Oh, we're past all that. And Johnny says, oh, I'm not quite past it yet, Moira. <laughs> and that that really resonated with me because, like you were saying, some of the things we let go, some of the things we, okay, someone hurt us, okay, I'm going to just let that go. And sometimes there are things that we need to to deal with, to, to bring up, to um, reckon with. And that's how I feel a lot with some of the stuff that's going on, especially in the U.S. right now with christian nationalism and all of that that i'm not quite past all that <laughs> yeah yet. all the or like yeah. racism where people want to say oh well slavery is in the past this is in the past let's just move forward happy and and free and it's like no you know what we're not we're not past that yet we're not past the racism we've got to deal there's so much we have to deal with before we can say we're past something but that's just an mm -hmm. example of just how many times something will hit me a different way based on what I'm going yeah. through at the moment. There's so many great lines in, in the show. Um, and and like you say, I think 
some of them get funnier the more you watch it and the more you know the character. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, because you, you feel it more. Um, yeah. And the, uh, the ones I love are when you can see that the actors are genuinely laughing. They're not <laughs> yeah. just laughing in character, right? I can see, I can especially see this with um, with Dan Levy. Like, there's some lines where he laughs. I think it's normally at Alexis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like, um, like when she gets her doctorate, and it's like a. Oh my gosh, I was just thinking that. There's exactly. a typo, right? Um, um, <laughs> I can't quite remember the exact. Okay line it's uh i will tell you because she gets her she she went to elmdale college um and she gets her certificate and it comes through the printer and it's um instead of public relations it's pubic relations and so they're they're reading it they're reading it out loud and then johnny stops and he says oh looks like a typo and then david reads it he's like pubic relations and then all of them and i read somewhere once that they literally they could not stop laughing and annie murphy alexis's character like she is not laughing at all so i don't know how often like how many times they had to do this that takes so many times because you can see all the other actors are genuinely laughing they cannot they're all genuinely laughing yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know how Annie Murphy didn't laugh. She must have no. wanted to laugh yeah. so badly. Like, um, And I bought an Elmdale College sweatshirt when it was 50% off because my alma mater, my college, is a very conservative Christian college that I will never wear their name on my, <laughs> on my chest. So I wear my Elmdale College sweatshirt instead, which is a fake college that gives out Typo certificates. <laughs> talk about pubic relations. <laughs> oh um, gosh! Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is. There's, there's lots of moments like that in the show, and um, so yeah, it, it is really funny. Um, and the more you watch it, the funnier it becomes. Um, so, oh, I'm sure we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours um it's such a great show if you've not seen it please go and watch it i think it's on netflix um the whole lot of them um like six yeah, and seasons. You watch all the seasons and stick through the first couple and then when you're getting ready to rewatch, if you have insomnia or you get nightmares or you're struggling or whatever just watch it before bed <laughs> you already know what's going to happen watch an episode or two um I sometimes watch it on my lunch break too, because it's already on my computer, and I'll just <laughs> click play yeah. while I'm while I'm eating at my desk. Um, but it's it is definitely the definition of a of a comfort show. Like it has literally brought me so so much comfort, and I'm just so thankful to Dan Levy and to the whole yes cast and crew. And me too. And it's a show that will age well, I think, as well. People will still be watching it in twenty years. Um. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's six seasons. I think it's thirteen or fourteen episodes a season. They're about twenty-two minutes each. Um, they're well written and well acted, so they go past very quickly. Yeah, especially the further in you get. Uh, it's well worth it. I would highly recommend it to everybody. Um, take the time. You know, stick with it. Um, and you won't be disappointed. Um, it's amen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's fantastic. Um, 
and um, highly recommended. So thank you for coming on again to talk about this. It's been really great. Um, uh, I love talking about this show. Me um, too. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> I love talking. It's always great to talk to you as well, Marla. So um, uh, just where people, where can people find you online? Um, you can go to MarlaTaviano.com or I'm also Marla Taviano. It's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-V-I-A-N-O on Instagram, Twitter. I hang out on Twitter a lot and I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, and I also have White Girl Learning. It's another Instagram where I um, read and review books by Black Indigenous authors of color. So yeah, I love the internet, love meeting new people, um, love talking about Schitt's Creek, deconstruction, um, yeah. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Do uh, check out Marla's work and find her online. She's great. So um, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, go watch Schitt's Creek. <laughs>